Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blade and Homers and Podcast, part of Sumer Sports Radio on the V Sporto Network here. Uh, we're going to talk about the TCU Horn Frogs tonight. Uh, TCU took a step back a year ago uh, on the gridiron, but, uh, you know, it's Gary Patterson. You can't you normally hold him down very long. So uh, TCU's looking kind of like a potential dark horse or uh, wildcard team in the Big 12. And I've invited uh, Jeff Mitchell, uh, host of the Frogcast and part of TCU 24-7 Horn Frog Blitz on to talk just a little bit about uh, everything that's been going on in Fort Worth. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Jeff, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. I haven't body slammed a reporter yet today, so it's a good day, but the night's still young. I was going to say, man, uh, it's it's basically war on the press right now. So. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you and me, us East Coast elitists from Big 12 country, we're, we're the target. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely there, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of body slams or uh, gut, gut punches... Uh, I was I was thinking back today, actually remembering that we were going to be uh, talking tonight, and uh, I'll take you back all the way to like nineteen late nineteen ninety eight, right? Oklahoma was uh, coached at the time by a man named John Blake, who uh, is potentially maybe the most incompetent major college <laughs> football coach. I mean, in history. I mean, it was a uh, it was stunning to watch his teams play. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he, he lasted about three seasons before uh, he was shown the door. And Oklahoma's searching for, uh, you know, his next, the next coach. Uh, of course, it would eventually become Bob Stoops. But uh, in the interim, a name that was really popular back then uh, around Norman that uh, I kept hearing, Dennis Franchoni, then, I believe, the head coach at TCU, correct? That, you know, that is correct. He had come out of nowhere. It was it was 90. Yeah, it was 98 that they had gone to the Sun Bowl and beaten USC. And this was back when six and five did not guarantee you a, a bowl game. And we were as a first year and we were in the whack then it was Franchione's first year. We were in the whack and everybody thought he was going to leave. And we'd actually lost to Blake's team that year. If you, if you want to know how Fran was maybe a little overrated, we beat him in Norman <laughs> in 96, lost him. We just gave the game away. I remember throwing a bottle of Coke in the stands at that game. But yeah, Franchione, I mean, it, it, it was it, people that I knew and I'm, I'm not an insider, but people I knew that were in the know said, yeah, we think he's going to go to Norman. And it turns out it didn't. And the rest is history, as you guys would say. Yeah, imagine uh, imagine how things were, that might have changed then, man. Wow. Uh, if, you, if you really want to start on a tangent, Pat Sullivan turned down LSU in 94 to stay at TCU when they already knew the Southwest Conference was splitting up. So imagine that. that people are turning down Oklahoma and LSU to stay at TCU when in that in, in, in when TCU was was not so much yeah yeah man now about you that is that is nuts but crazy to think how things might have gone but uh, obviously uh, Franchione wasn't long of course uh, for the Horn Frogs uh, you got uh, Gary Patterson of course there now who has uh, really I mean established himself as you know the uh, probably the greatest coach in school history. Um, I guess I have a question though about uh, something specifically about him. Why is it that uh, his teams play Oklahoma so well? And uh, is there anything that Oklahoma can do to to change that this year? 
You know, I don't know. I've been thinking about, because we've been in the Big 12 five years, and even, you know, we played them before then with Patterson. There is just something about that stage, and I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know what the scheme is, because we've changed schemes so much over the years, mm-hmm. but, but Patterson always has them ready to play Oklahoma. Last year, we, we were not a good team, and it came down to the last possession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20, 2013, we were a really bad team, and in Norman, we, play, we played really well in that mm-hmm. game. So, you know, you compare that to Oklahoma State, which we just have gotten the tar beaten out of us almost every, you know, four of the five games that we played them in the Big 12. I don't know what the secret is. I I just keep calling it a weighted coin toss. It's a 50-50 game that we almost always lose, but you know it's going to be a fun game, almost always down to the last possession. Oh, uh, absolutely. And it's, uh, I I remember a couple years back, where it would have been 2015, when uh, uh, Trevon Boykin was hurt and... Uh, everybody say, oh, okay, we'll chalk this one up for TCU. And I remember saying, like, I, I mean, I don't think so because it seems to me like this is when Gary Patterson is really at his most dangerous against OU is when, uh, you know, he really has to kind of either kind of junk up the game, you know, or or just do something different, you know. And, uh, I mean, you know, some breaks went, went uh, against OU. And, you know, I mean, TCU uh, damn near pulled that off and uh, ended OU's uh, playoff shot there. I mean, Boykin didn't play. Dotson didn't play. Right. Listen, he played with a pulled hamstring. Joey Hunt, who's on the uh, Seahawks, was a starting center. He's he did not play in that game. And then you flip the other side, where Mayfield got hurt, you know, got got a concussion, and Piran got beat up. Mixon got that whole game was crazy. I mean, I hated it, but at the same time, if I wasn't a fan, I could imagine why you'd watch every single second of that game. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. It was uh, definitely nerve-wracking for me. But, uh, you know, looking ahead to this year, obviously things didn't quite go the way uh, TCU fans were accustomed to last year. It was kind of very much an up-and-down season. And I think that, you know, uh, you could point to either side of the ball, but there were certainly a lot of uh, struggles on offense with uh, the transition to uh, Kenny Hill at quarterback. Do you think he's got that job uh, nailed down this year? In, I don't think he does. I, the plan was to redshirt Sean Robinson, who's the heralded recruit out of DeSoto that took him to 16-0. and 0, And he's probably the most noted recruit TCU has landed in, in a very long time. And he, he was supposed to redshirt. It was public that he was supposed to redshirt. He enrolled early, and he ended spring second on the depth chart. We've already had a quarterback that was a just going to be a sophomore that's already announced he's transferring out. Uh, Foster Sawyer has transferred out. He... Kenny, Kenny Hill is in serious threat of losing the starting position to Sean Robinson, and I don't know if that's good or bad, but Robinson is good. Hill, Hill is Hill. You'll just find every TCU fan that will say that. So I don't know what his ceiling is, but I know that uh, Sean Robinson is at his heels, and I don't think any Frog fan is going to be surprised if Sean Robinson becomes the starting quarterback uh, when we come to Norman. In, 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 uh, or, yeah, when, when we come to Norman this year. So... Is is Robinson? I mean, are are he and and Hill similar types of quarterbacks? I mean, because my impression is that both guys, you know, can can both do damage with their arm and with their legs. I think I think Hill is has is a deficiency in getting the ball down the field. If you watch highlights of him, whether it's at A and M from that truncated amazing season in fourteen, or even last year, Kenny Hill has a really hard time throwing the ball down the field, 20, 25 yards in the air. In fact, the only good game he had throwing vertical was against Oklahoma. And Sean Robinson, he he has more of a capacity to do that. And I think Robinson can hurt people with their legs more 
than even Hill can. And I know I know Hill did some damage last year with his legs, but Sean Robinson is going to have the intangibles. He's he's a leader and he can move he can move with his legs and I think he's going to be able to get the ball down the field and stretch the field in a way that Kenny Hill is just there's not a lot of tape on him being able to do that. You look at Boykin, who was so you know amazing with his legs, but he could throw a 65-yard jump ball. Now, granted, mm-hmm. you could have a first-rounder that could go get it, but there were other people that knew how to go get the ball in the air, on a bullet, down the field, and Kenny Hill just can't do that, or he hasn't shown that he can do that in his season at A&M and his season last year at TCU. Yeah, yeah. Now, one uh, kind of, I mean, kind of under the radar story almost uh, for a lot of people, I think, was the fact that uh, Doug Meacham left uh, to go to um, Kansas. Now, that's not necessarily a move that uh, is necessarily one that's made uh, by choice. I guess I'm wondering, was was there some type of fracturing there uh, and and Patterson was just ready to uh, elevate Sonny Cumbie or uh, I mean, did uh, was Meacham look, looking for a, a change of scenery? I mean, what happened there? Jeremy Clark, who runs Horn Frog Blitz 24-7 for TCU, he, he's been pretty public. He's posted on our board. He said it on our podcast, so it's not like anything behind some silly paywall. There was some bad chemistry with Meacham and in the rest of the staff, and that there was some friction there, and nobody minded uh, Doug Meacham leaving. Patterson had already made the decision that Sonny Cumbie was going to call the plays and be the, the the 1A of the co-offensive coordinator going into this year. He was a good recruiter. He was a great quarterback coach. And, you know, he's the future. You know, you, you look at Lincoln Riley, and I think Oklahoma fans know what, what they want from him in five or six years. If Patterson retired in three years, I think 90% of TCU fans would love Sonny Cumbie to become the head coach. And so when Meacham left, I think everybody kind of took a deep breath and was 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 – Grateful for what he accomplished, but it was ready for a change. One of the things I remember, I remember tweeting this a couple of times, and it happened on more than one occasion during the regular season. Those those really annoying halftime interviews where the sideline reporters got to grab the coach at halftime. Mm-hmm. Two times, and it might have been a third because I was at the bowl game and didn't get to see it. Two times and maybe three, Patterson publicly ridiculed – it had a public comment – about play calling in the middle of the game that he was not happy with. And that was all on Meacham. He was the one calling the plays. He was the one that was executing the offense. Um, Desmond White plays wide out, and he's a good slot receiver. He's 5'5", you know, and you can throw a bubble screen to him, and he can catch a pass across the middle. But there are multiple times we're throwing a corner fade to this guy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, it, like, why is this happening? You know, there were personnel issues at wide out. There was schematic issues. We'd run the ball when we should be throwing it. We didn't know how to stretch the, the field vertically. So there was just a lot of concerns with offense. I know for a fact multiple programs with money to throw around came sniffing at Christmas to want to hire Sonny Cumbie away. I know that Texas had done it the year before. There were a couple of SEC programs that were very interested in Cumbie, and that's like that just triggered the event that said, you know, Lawrence, Kansas is really pretty this time of year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's the thing is that, uh, I mean, Meacham was one of those guys who, I mean, you know, I mean, I know that uh, his name was coming up a lot in, in his in other, you know, uh, searches in the past. So I guess it's just interesting to see that. And, and Cumbie's a guy that uh, clearly has, uh, you know, some fitty for the program. I mean, he's, you know, he, he turned down a big offer from Texas. Uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, like you mentioned, he's uh, – Looks like he's you know kind of the future there. Another guy though that they've added though is uh, Sonny Dykes, right? I mean he's going to be doing like a uh, kind of a consultant type uh, role. 
Yeah, whatever the the analyst position is, we're not Alabama. We don't have forty seven of those <laughs> yeah. people, but but he's he's basically been brought in to to be an analyst. And the the additions we're real excited about is is Sonny Dykes, and and everybody's public that this is a one year uh, transition. This yeah, is a chance yeah. for him to come down and really you know you know take time. I mean, I I know that the move originally was to get close to his dad, who of course passed away, and mm-hmm. he's there in Fort Worth. He's going to help uh, the offense this year. But Chris Thompson has come from Arizona State as well to be the new offensive line coach, and he had you know he had been the head coach at Abilene Christian. He had worked at some quality programs, and so when you look at uh, you know you got Sonny Cumbie, Sonny Dykes, Thompson, and Patterson, all of whom bring bring a lot of offensive strategy and and, and leadership to the whole program. It, I feel pretty good about those additions, and I think it's really going to bring uh, a recalibration to the offense. It's going to bring a grit to the offensive line that I think we've all will admit had been missing the last couple of years. And so while while we have some truncated expectations after last season, I feel really positive about the direction that the offense is going, regardless of who plays quarterback. And I think Cumbie and Dykes and Thompson are going to play a key role in that. So setting aside, you know, whatever kind of uncertainty there is there at quarterback, I mean, what uh, what else are your what are your other you know maybe con- major concerns on that side of the ball? Javon, uh, uh, Turpin staying healthy. Kevontae yeah. Turpin is is a is an amazing player when he can get the ball in his hands, but that's going to be a concern if he can't stay healthy and he hasn't been able to stay healthy for two seasons. Last year, obviously, was a a longer delay. Consistency of catching the ball. We led the country in drop passes. And, you know, it doesn't matter if Kenny Hill can throw the ball down the field 45 yards. If he can't catch the bubble screen, it doesn't matter. And that, that was very frustrating. Just just as a fan in, in the stands and watching the game, we can't, we couldn't catch the ball. And um, I, I, I think they have the ability to um, to excel at, at wide receiver. I think we have personnel in that position. But everybody was just – I don't know for a lack of a better term. There was a sense of just this chronic anxiety every time we had the ball. And I don't know where that began, but it exhibited itself when it came time to catch the ball, and that's got to be fixed for us to be competitive. Yeah, yeah, it was a big, big change of pace after you know having so many. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously Doxon uh, was the guy that got all the headlines, but I mean, you know, guys like Listenby, um, you know, guys in the past like uh, Porter, you know, I mean, guys mm-hmm. just, just uh, there was a lot of consistency in that unit that seemed to be missing last year. So that that yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Sorry, Deontay what? Gray, no, Deontay yeah. Gray, who had been an electric player on, on the 14 squad, you know, he got hurt in the spring of 15. He sat out all of 15, and I wish That's that right. kid the best, but he was not able to come back to full form, and yeah. it, it was pretty odd. He got caught from behind. Nobody caught him from behind in 14. He he was he was playing with a slower step, and I just felt bad for the kid because he had so much talent. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of a theme with uh, you know <laughs> with Docs in the game hurt Turpin. I mean, they you know they, it's interesting. They might be due for some uh, some better luck in, injury wise in that on that uh, in that group. But that that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. So look at the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, Patterson's known as a defensive guy, but I, I've got to think that last year was kind of a disappointment in that regard. It was a disappointment. The the two games that we put our fingers on that were just painful to watch, and a lot of us that had been fans for years, I predate Patterson in terms of being a, a Homer fan. The Oklahoma State game and the Kansas State game, I had never seen a team 
just kind of limp around in the second half like they did. We got dominated in the trenches. Kansas State embarrassed us on the defensive side of the ball. We were too small and too slow on the defensive side of the ball. We were uh, too thin at defensive secondary. And it just, we were not able to get any push. And I I think there's going to be some changes on that. But, you know, they say we have the most experience coming back on the defensive side of the ball on anybody in the conference. We just don't know if that's a good thing yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what would they be looking to change up then? You know, I think we're going to have more depth and more health in the defensive secondary. We were never able to really able to establish the same folks playing the same position with consistency. But Jeff Gladney is going to be back. Ranthony Tejada will be back. And I think he's going to be back at 100%. You know, you take a guy like Nico Small, who got pushed kind of off the cliff as a true freshman out there playing when we had all of those injuries mm-hmm. in 15. He's going to, he's, he's a, he's a somebody that we can tell has put on a lot of weight and, you know, forgive the cliche, but the game has slowed down as you watch what he's able to do towards the end of last season, in spite of those two tough games. And so I think the defensive secondary will be well positioned and have the personnel with the health to be able to, to slow some of that stuff down. But more importantly, we we got better on the front defensive line this last offseason for a variety of reasons. Um, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of names I'm excited about. Ben Baganu is a name that you need to learn. He's a transfer from ULM. He had uh, redshirted at ULM and then played his freshman year in 15 and then just basically transferred as a is a desire to move up to a, to a more competitive program, go watch the ULM Alabama game. And he, he played really well in that game. You could tell that uh, he knew what he was doing. He's going to, he's already projected from the spring to be the starter at defensive end. He's at about 245 pounds and he looks like a man ready to rumble. So between him, Ross Blacklock, who was a four-star defensive tackle out of uh, suburban Houston, redshirted last year as a freshman, he lost all that baby weight. He is 326, going to be able to hold down some weight in the front. Front. So we are we are we, that was a big recruiting battle. We beat out A and M for him, and that's that doesn't happen all the time at TCU. So that was that was somebody that was late in the process, committed to TCU at the Army All American game, and I, he he looked really good in the spring game, and I think I project him to have a really good year. So I think we're going to be stronger up front. The one guy that we did get that um, from the Baylor free agents, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> there's a better term for it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, Brandon Bowen, he's 6'4", 235. He was a record high jumper in high school, and he's just a big, lean, athletic freak. And so he redshirted last year, had some health issues, but I have a feeling he's going to make a really big impact on the defensive line this year. So we got that going for us, so I feel pretty positive about the defensive front to be able to make a difference this year. Yeah, uh, Bowen can play, man. I remember... uh... I think uh, you know OU was looking at him at one point. I'm not sure if if TCU just uh, swayed him or if uh, OU uh, didn't have enough room for him. But that was definitely one guy when uh, everybody from Baylor was going their separate ways that OU was looking at. So yeah, that's definitely a guy to watch. But um, so I guess you know I, you know this time of year I always like to ask. I mean, what's going to be a successful season for TCU in 2017? <sighs> I think they have to win nine games. I mean, I think that this is a better way to say it with the championship game going, coming back for the big 12 for better or for worse. When we get to November, I want to know that, that we have not been mathematically eliminated from that. If we can get to November and be in a spot where we can, you know, all we got to do is win out and have one break, make go our way. We should, I, I would feel really good about the season. You know, we close with, um, 
you know, I, I think we're, I think our schedule is going to set up to be able to help us out. So we, we, we end the season with Baylor, but I think that if we can get to nine games and we can have a, a puncher's chance to get to the Big 12 title game um, when November gets there, that's going to be a successful season for, 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 for Frog fans. It's going to be a successful season for me because we have everything going for us except quarterback. Mm. And, you know, if Hill is able to do something, which I sure hope he does, um, you know, that's going to be awesome. But if it's Sean Robinson, we're not going to win 11 games. But if we win eight games with Sean Robinson being the starter and winner of six of those, we'll be that'll that'll be a successful season. And we will be excited about that going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the schedule certainly sets up to get, at least um, get some confidence there early. I mean, you know, how do you feel about that game uh, at Arkansas? You know, that's the kind of game that Patterson tends to win. You know, that was one of the three head-banging games last oh, year that God. was just so frustrating to watch. So frustrating to watch. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think that we're going to be able to go to Fayetteville, and I think we're going to be able to run the ball this year, which we weren't able to do last year. And I think we're going to be able to spread the field with, as well with the way that that offense sets up with some of the changes we've made. We should be able to win the game at Arkansas. If we can come out of the gate 3-0 and and go to Stillwater, I'll – I, I I think I think that would be a 50-50 game because I think Oklahoma State's going to be really good. But if we can get to that game three and zero and then have a bye week after that, I'll feel really good about how we're how things are going to play out the rest of the season because we don't know what anybody else is going to do. You know, I don't yeah. know what Texas is going to be. I think Oklahoma is the favorite, but I don't know what they're going to look like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's you know, it's going to be uh, kind of a fun year I think in the Big Twelve because you know, for as, as maligned, I think, as the conference was last year, I, I think it's going to be far, far stronger this year, just looking at uh, how the different teams are shaping up. Oh, I I agree. I think I think Iowa State's going to win seven games. I mean, yeah, I can say that because nobody nobody's going to hold me accountable to it. But <laughs> I think I think Matt Campbell is a great. That was the that was a great hire, and oh, he's, yeah. he's he's making some noise on the recruiting trail that um, God bless Paul Rhodes. He was never able to do so. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a heck of a race in the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State will will definitely uh, hurt somebody's season at some point this year because that team plays hard, man. For that guy, they they looked. I mean, they didn't have much talent last year but man they i mean they played everybody tough yeah we caught them early in the season and we we were like man if we'd have played them late in the season i don't know if we would have beat them i mean we beat them by three touchdowns and a field goal in september but i don't know if we could have done that in november yeah yeah oh yeah no they played hard so they played hard against tech too yeah that's (laughs) that's right that's right so hey so tell me what, what do you guys got going on oh well, we got this little frog cast that we uh, started from our uh, basically from our mother's basement a couple of years <laughs> ago, and myself and Daniel Southern and Trey Fallon, and we got that going, and then uh, we ended up uh, joining up with Twenty Four Seven back at the first of the year, and we've had a heck of a heck of a lot of fun with uh, Jeremy Clark and Jeremiah Glenn and Twenty Four Seven. So uh, I know they got some membership thing going right now that you can join at a at a pretty good price. So that's a lot of fun to be a part of. I I know that there's a lot of good. Uh, sites out there that do recruiting really well and arrivals for OU is really solid but I gotta tell you this is great to be able to go read other people's message boards which 24-7 lets you do <laughs> oh yeah that's pretty yeah that's cool that's cool man well yeah no and broadcast folks if uh, you know you're interested in uh, Big 12 talk TCU stuff is fantastic uh, they've been kind enough to invite me on a couple times so uh, you know I, of course I'm I, I'm uh, deeply indebted to them for having me on but it's a great show so definitely check it out folks so you you are the most downloaded oklahoma fan that's been on our show <laughs> well that was a day 
I guess uh, I guess I got that going for me. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Well, I want to tell you, I really I really appreciate your show, and I wanted to say because this is going to be on there. The show you did with the the woman on youth and violence and what the difference was between restoration and um, punitive. I thought that was amazing. I just I, I've oh. been thinking about that show for for a week and a half. That was so good. Like, what kind of responsibility do we have from a kid that only knows brokenness stepping into what is one of the most elite gatherings in Western history, which is a, you know, a top of the line major university? I thought that was great. I just wanted to let you know that. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I like uh, the opportunity to do those kinds of shows. So I'm glad that uh, somebody out there is listening, at least, you know, so that's that's nice. Well, I really appreciate that, Jeff. No problem. Sure. I, that was a good show. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. So yeah, it's better than talking about Big Twelve expansions. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we won't have any more of that uh, talk, at least for a little while. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man. Again, I really do appreciate it. Always a uh, you know pleasure talking with you just on Twitter and and you know uh, podcasts and whatnot and everything. Really appreciate your point of view and uh, you know it's been uh, you know I, I, it's definitely been a, a nice part of uh, having TCU join the Big Twelve is getting to know fans like you guys and everything like that. So. Really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And anybody wants to follow us along, just uh, we're on Twitter at the Frogcast TCU. Um, we follow along. We're we're jovial. We're fun. We joke and uh, poke around, but we're not. Uh, we don't take it too seriously. Come come, give us a hard time. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely, folks. Definitely check it out. Well, thanks to uh, our guest this evening, Jeff Mitchell. Again, uh, he's with the Frogcast and uh, uh, sorry, Horn Frog Blitz. Right. Yes, that's right. Okay, got it with twenty four seven. So make sure to check uh, check check them out. So uh, again, thanks to him, and thank you all for joining us too. For the Blatant Homers and podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.